Hello, friends, and welcome to Is Training the Answer, a podcast about finding the answer to learning and development's most frequently asked question. In this episode, we interview Angie Flynn McKeever, a leadership coach, author, theater director, and founder of Ignite CSP. Together, we discuss how to have better conversations with our stakeholders, team members, and how to say no to those tough project requests. You can learn more about Angie on her website, ignitecsp.com. Let's take a quick break and get right into the interview. What can we learn from our colleagues in the coaching and, and theater fields? I, I want to actually dive into this from the theater perspective first. Mm-hmm. That's really my, um, although I've, I've been in the coaching field for about 15 years, I, I come from this theater background. I'm a theater professional and that's, uh, I, I, I like to think that's like, that's my DNA. That's kind of how I'm, I'm totally wired now. And one of the things that I think about a lot, my uh, master's work was in organizational development and leadership. And one of the things that came up for me a lot when I was, doing that work was looking at how in theater we create uh, a team to do a project and then we disassemble and the the parts of that team in almost all of theater uh, go away. They're disparate. And of course, a lot of the clients that I work with now, particularly the corporate clients that I work with, are, are heavily matrixed organizations and they are very team-based and we hear this a lot. So how do we make these teams successful? It's a long way of getting around to saying, I think there's a lot to be learned from the way uh, production companies, casts, designers, directors come together to make a play, to make a production and then disband and go somewhere else. And there are a couple of things that I would point out there. One is um, roles. And obviously that's a, means a specific thing in theater, but I really mean it more in the generic sense of on a, uh, when we're putting a play together, everybody is so clear about what their job is on that production, whether they are literally playing a role, whether they are designing the lights, whether they are assisting the costume designer, whether they are the house manager, they are so clear of what their role is. Uh, so that's one thing. And then uh, another thing that I think that we can learn from um, from theater and, and how we come together to make these teams is that we share, even though we may have come from all over the country to do a production, we really share a common vocabulary and a common culture. Uh, that it, we're we're not relearning every time. How do we, you know, how do we, what do we call the different areas of the theater? No, everywhere you go, it's upstage, downstage, stage left, stage right. Um, you know, even if the shape of the theater or the shape of the stage is different, we still have the same lingo. We still have the same, uh, sh- you know, shorthand. Uh, and that's just one example. But I think that's something that helps us dive right into the meat of a project, without doing a whole lot of. Um, you know, icebreaking and figuring out who we are and, and uh, we can get right to creating, uh, creating what we're there to do. Some of our listeners may not be aware of the difference between training, mentoring, and coaching. Could you maybe help them kind of explain the difference between those things? Sure. 
for me, I think of mentoring as, and I'm, I'm picking that as uh, maybe the easiest one for me to, to dive into, but I think of mentoring as somebody who's been in a field or been in a position or in an organization for a while, looking out for somebody who's, who's coming along, somebody who's newer, who hasn't been there as long, who is, you know, you're going, if you're the mentor, you're going to uh, share advice with them. You're going to take them under your wing. You're going to kind of bring them along. Um, I certainly have mentors in the theater field and in the coaching field. So that's how I think of mentoring. Coaching is really a, um, uh, a professional services relationship to some extent, even though, even if you have an internal coach, uh, that is something where, you know, there's a, there's a high degree of confidentiality. There's a, um, a sense that this is a, a one-on-one relationship where the coach, uh, and the, and the coachee or the client are really in this, uh, in this relationship where the coach is supporting uh, the person that they're coaching and they can, they can bring anything into that space to get help with, to air it out. In the coaching profession, we, at least the place where I uh, got my, did my work, there's this idea that you come to this relationship with unconditional positive regard. Mm -hmm. And that's incredibly powerful that you just feel like there's somebody there in your corner. That person is going to be team John or team Rory or team Angie. And and, and that doesn't mean that they're going to tell you everything you do is great, but they're there for you. Training is uh, such a huge umbrella uh, um, that I think uh, certainly you all could speak to that much better than I can. But to me, what falls under that is um, I need information and you have information to give me. And it could be training could be years long. It could be a, you know a half day session where you're working through a manual and you're going to get a certain technical something at the end. Um, and it doesn't necessarily, I mean, there can be some overlap in all of these. It doesn't mean you can't be trained with that. You, know, you can be trained with a mentor. You can have training with a coach. Um, but that to me is, is a, there's a knowledge transfer implied uh, with training that's not necessarily present in the other two. I think that's a great description. And I've used coaches in the past and it's it's been a fantastic experience because I do feel like there's that that level of confidentiality that you're talking about and that idea. I love that idea of positivity because I didn't know that going in, but I do feel like I, from my coach, I, I had that, that experience. This was a person who felt like they were on my side and they were trying to help me, um, which I think is really valuable. And um, I do want to pick up on, on something that you had said earlier as well, this idea of um, I, I think communication, right? Like as a, a, a member of a, a team in the theater, you, you guys all know how to talk each other to each other. You know what you're saying to each other. You, like it makes sense when you're having conversations and you're using jargon and uh, you know you're working together to kind of achieve a goal. And so you know, I, I, I think even in training, coaching, mentoring, I, I think um, just this idea of being really clear in your communication is key. And so. In, in reading your your book, or at least the start of your book, um, I you know you have this idea of, of intention, and you talk about it on your blog uh, as well. It's like this idea of deliberate intention, right? Um, that you're thinking through the outcome of your communication, uh, either bef- before you say it or as you say it in the moment. Um, you know, really like 
to quote your book, it's it, what do you want to happen as a result of what you said? So whether you're coaching somebody or whether you're training somebody or whether you're having a conversation with somebody, um, can you tell us why intention is so important uh, for effective communication? Um, and then I think I'd also like to add, just add, so how are intention and action aligned? So I'll give you a two-parter there, if you could kind of help us uh, understand that. Yeah, uh, I. <laughs> you may regret this question because I could talk <laughs> about intention forever. Um, Love it. The, 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 re the reason intention is important in thinking about, thinking ahead of time about what outcome you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason that that is so crucial is that we are always trying to achieve something. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, we're not thinking about what that is. Most of the time, uh, we fall into what I call a default intention. And, and a default intention is almost always, and this is going to sound kind of awful, but it's almost always self-serving. It's, mm -hmm. it can be transactional. It can be, um, you know, I, I had like I, I just did a lot of traveling, and I, I think about a default intention a lot when I watch people in an airport because we're not looking out for each other. We're all mm -hmm. there to do the thing that we need to do. This is a long way of saying, if I want to make sure that I get you on board with my project, mm -hmm. I need to think really clearly about what does John need to hear from me? How do I need to make him feel in order to get him on board with my project? And that's very different from, um, I have an urgent need to get John on board with my project. And so I'm going to show him that I'm, I really need him or I'm anxious about it. Or I, you know, I'm in, in that situation, I'm exercising my own need. And that may or may not be compelling to you. Mm -hmm. So in other words, the reason thinking about intention is important is because you can either think about it and use it productively and deliberately, or you can not think about it and it will be a hit or miss haphazard situation. It's such an important concept. Um, and I immediately, like I'll say, I immediately gravitated as soon as I, as soon as I read to it, um, I, you know, I just thought it was such a great idea. Uh, and, and I see it, I feel like on both sides of the, um, both sides of the table in terms of L and D and, um, in terms of people coming to L and D with a need, right? Their intention is I, their default intention maybe is I need to get this solved. Like I have a challenge, I need training to solve it, right? Uh, and then at that point, our intent, you know, we're trying to figure out, okay, well, what's the, what's the need here, and, and how can we improve outcomes for you? How can we change behavior? How can we fill that knowledge gap, like you had mentioned earlier? Um, but then when we want to do something. Right. So when I want to get something done for the organization from an L&D perspective, it can feel like an uphill battle sometimes because I know in my heart, like this is going to add value to the organization. Here's the business case. Here's why I think it's going to do that. But at the same time, uh, it may feel like to that other person that I am coming to them with a challenge, like with a challenge, but I'm really only thinking about like what I need and not necessarily what they need or, or, or how I want to, to kind of impact them with, with my words and, uh, and, and my actions. Um, is that, does that sound right? I just want to like, yes. am I saying this? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll add another wrinkle to that, which yeah. is, uh, I, as you were talking, I was thinking of a client I was working with a few years ago and she was, she needed to do this presentation in order to mm -hmm. get the executive committee of the healthcare system that she worked for, uh, on board with a, a really important, mm -hmm kind of deal breaker proposition. Yeah. And 
as she stood up to practice it, her whole demeanor was, well, I know you're not going to give this to me because every other time I ever ask for anything, and these were not the words she was saying, mm-hmm. right? But that was the tone. It was, I've come in here with a chip on my shoulder because I already know you're going to say no. Mm-hmm. And so when she finished, I asked her, I said, um, have, have, have you been turned down for this before? Is there a history here that I don't know about? She's like, yes. And she went into this whole backstory. And she's like, well, how did you know that? And I said, because everything you did told me you did not expect to get what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. You have been said no to before. You have had an uphill battle with this group before. And so um, you came in on the defensive. And this this ties back to what you said earlier about intention and action um, a little bit, but it's also about kind of what you're saying. Like, if I know, if I know this is gonna be an uphill battle, am I coming in loaded for bear in a way that um, might be off-putting to the people I'm, I'm talking to, as opposed to how can I, how can I ally myself with them? How can I, um, how can I, I enlist their help? How can I, how can I make this important to them? And that's really where that deliberate intention comes in. We talked to an account manager in, in one of our previous episodes, and he had mentioned about the conversation kind of being like, like if you're talking with your customer, you want it to feel like you're sitting down with them and having like a cup of coffee or uh, having a beer and you're just, you're, you're partners, you're just talking and having a good conversation and trying to figure out how to move forward. And, and that, that to me, that sounds like what you're saying. It's not about saying the magic words or giving somebody the magic thing that's going to make them go, Oh my gosh, yes, this is like, of course, you know, wand waved your, here's your money. Um, it's, it's more about uh, getting them on your side. Like how do you recruit them to, to your, to, to your, whatever you're trying to do. Um, uh, that's such a, I feel like such a helpful way of thinking because I, I do think from an L and D perspective, it can feel painful sometimes. We're not salespeople um, typically anyway, uh, at least from, from my perspective, you know, it's like I didn't come from a sales background. Uh, I'm not used to, I'm used to developing training. I'm not necessarily used to pitching all these ideas and having people say no. And then, you know, kind of dealing with that, you have to get used to that. I, I feel like, uh, or at least have a, an understanding that no is, is not necessarily a bad thing. No, it just tells you what they will or, or won't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think I'd like to kind of understand maybe how we can use this idea of um, intention and communicating effectively and bringing somebody on your side to uh, help get, I, I think like momentum or, or help get agreement to move forward with something like a new LMS. Uh, you know, that's something that's Rory's, Rory has been working on and I've been looking at digital adoption platforms, right? Like how do you kind of use, I, I guess, this tactic to, uh, to influence those who might be hesitant to invest uh, uh, or may just not understand, uh, you know, this is a new way of doing things or this is, this is what I'm trying to do. I want to be careful here because they, as you're mm-hmm. saying, there's no, there's no magic set of words. It's like mm-hmm. I always say with marketing, like there's no magic font that's going to make yes. somebody buy your thing. You know, yep. there's no color coordination mm-hmm. that's going to be like, Oh yes, I have to press click right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing that intention does for us is it helps us get out of our own way mm-hmm. so that we can clearly see what it is that we have to offer. So if you have a training that is going to meet these outcomes, that is, uh, you know, is going to be a little bit of a lift because 
maybe it's a bigger investment, it's more time, it's whatever the thing is that, that you're not sure somebody's going to be on board with. Knowing that, um, that, that, that you can come in and say, maybe even be super transparent about that. Like, mm-hmm. I can already see, here are the things I love about this. I know that one of the things that you may, you know, one of the objections you may have is, uh, is the expense, is the amount of time people are going to be away from their desks. Intention allows you to be present in the moment and read what you're getting from other people. It allows you to think about, okay, um, this first part didn't go the way I wanted it to. Even though I practiced, even though I thought about it, man, I something threw me off at the at the beginning. Now I can reground. I can get back into what I want to say. I can I can continue to be present and not just have this whole thing be a wash. Mm-hmm. Uh, intention helps us remember what we're doing there and remember that we're we're really looking for this long term outcome. Not uh, one of my colleagues, Neela, always says. You know, am I trying to just survive this experience? If you realize that what your intention is, I just want to get out of this alive, like you're not showing up in the best possible uh, light for yourself or for the project that you're championing. And I I think that's where intention really comes in handy. So I want to say one more thing about about that uh, from a very tactical standpoint. And it's it's this when you're thinking about intention. I'm actually saying I want you to put into words and maybe write down somewhere what it is that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And intention in this is, is active and it's a verb. It is how you want to affect the other people you're talking to. So I want to enlist. I want to persuade. I want to make them feel like this is a no-brainer. I want, to, um, I want them to feel like they would follow me anywhere be incredibly specific about what it is that you're trying to do because that's how you get yourself invested in this intention and only by getting yourself invested in the intention can you embody that in a way that is compelling to other people yeah you have this idea as well around um getting it right like getting it right can get in the way of actually getting something done um can you can you just explain that yeah, getting it right is a default intention. If if my goal as I walk into this presentation, this speech, this meeting, this conversation is, well, I really want to get it all right. That's like an actor saying, well, my my job here is to remember my lines. Well, if, if you're watching a play or a movie or a TV show where what the actor has done is remember their lines, you are not going to find that person believable or compelling or, or interesting in any way. And that is only true in entertainment because it's true of us as, as human beings. If, if what I'm watching is somebody get it right, um, it is, it is a completely closed circuit. They are only doing this for themselves because getting it right means, um, I remembered all the points I wanted to make, or I set all my slides in the right order, or I didn't trip over my own feet on the way to the front of the room or whatever. And it's not about, how did I connect in a, in a real authentic human way with the other people? Because that's really what we're trying to do when we're, when we're training, when we're uh, developing people, when we are working together in teams, what we really want is to find that like juicy human stuff of, of, of connection of even, even in a, even in a training, I think that is um, that's maybe more technical or mechanistic it's still human to human. And how do we, how do we best find that? Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, to kind of step back a little bit and something that you had said about 
um, well, what we've been talking about in terms of intent and being intentful with kind of the shift given the last year, um, people working from home, I think a lot of learning and development professionals can say that learning and development has been more necessary than it has kind of ever been, right? We're seeing this great resignation. People keep saying, I need training, I need help, I want to grow, I want to do all these things. But for so long, learning and development has been um, order takers. Hey, we need a training, can you do this training? And so I think a lot of people in L&D are trying to shift from this order taking to being consultants within the organization and saying, we can really help. This is great. You want a training, but let's, let's dive a little deeper. Let's have a little bit more of a conversation. How can we in L and D help leaders and, and other people within New York shift that mindset? What, what is our intent there? How can we kind of portray that in in our department and what we do in the service we provide to the organization. Yeah, I I really love what you're saying there because uh, essentially you just provided your own answer. It is really showing up with this posture of um, I'm 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 your ally. I'm here to help you figure this out. Uh, what <clears throat> one thing that this made me think of is very 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 often when somebody is referred to us, um, I I get some version of. Uh, this person really needs to work with you on their presentation skills because they uh, don't seem confident. They need to be more confident. And, or they got a piece of feedback that, you know, this client said this thing about them. And within 10 minutes of talking to the person, what I realize is, okay, this is the symptom of, of the thing, they may be perfectly confident. This may, this piece of feedback may be an outlier of in 20 years, this is the only time they got this piece of feedback, but it panicked the organization. And so now they got sent here. So it is, it is, it is similar to what you're describing as we need this training, make this training happen. You're the order taker, Mm -hmm. make them more confident, give them the training. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you can really engage in that as a, as a team and say, okay, I hear what you're saying in terms of outcome. Can I ask some clarifying questions? You know, in the past, sometimes when people want, think they want this thing, and I don't know that I would say this exactly this way, mm-hmm. when it presents this way, um, what's really going on is something a little bit deeper. I would love to explore that. Do we have, do we have the breadth? Do we have the scope to explore this a little bit more? I think you really answered the question yourself. And it is that idea of, hey, we're, we're experts in this, who, who mm-hmm. are problem solvers of this variety. It doesn't have to be, um, it it doesn't have to be just, you know, procurement of training. Mm -hmm. So how can we, and I'm going to ask the question very bluntly, um, how can we in learning and development say no? Because so frequently people view L&D like that order taker and they come and they have their heart set out on a solution. How can we say no in a way that helps to drive that intent. My caveat here is your mileage is going to vary depending on what kind of organization you're in and what your culture is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I run into this um, a lot. I just had somebody ask me to do a break, a one hour breakout session for 150 people in person. 
um, mm -hmm. and an equal number of people virtually um, uh, f using content that is not was not going to be conducive to the yeah. outcomes that they were looking for. And what I ended up saying was, um, I have to confess, as I looked at your outcomes, I, 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 I don't see how I can do it within these constraints. I would offer X, Y, and Z as a counter, mm -hmm. um, while understanding that that may not fit what you're looking for at all. And it did not, as I suspected. But I, I do think that there is a there is a nice way to say with the with the boundaries you've set up and with the constraints that you've described, I can do this, but I can't I cannot I cannot promise you these other things because there simply isn't it's just not there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But I also think um, sometimes people well. Hold on, let me walk that back. Because what I was gonna say was, sometimes it takes not meeting those outcomes for people to understand, oh, I have asked for something that's impossible. But I have two, the reason I've stopped myself is two, is twofold. One is uh, the LND people I know are gonna make it work no matter what. Um, and so I don't want people to get into that situation of like, well, we're just going to kill ourselves to do this thing, even though it's the impossible, we're just going to rise to the occasion. So that's, that's one caveat. And the other is what if you can't do it? And then it makes people look bad and you don't want to do that. I think you have to be transparent about what's possible. I think you have to say the outcome you're looking for is going to require $500,000 and an 18 month initiative, not a four hour workshop for 500 people. Uh, there's a level of courageousness there. And I think what I'm picking up on Angie, in terms of some of the, like what I hear you saying, and, and I think what I, I really have enjoyed about our conversation is there's a level of transparency there. I think there's a level of confidence there um, in terms of, of being able to have uh, an open discussion with the person who's sitting across from you at the table, right? Like you've asked me to do X or you've asked me to do Y. Um, I really think like this is maybe the, the way to go or this is what it's really going to take or I need time to kind of like digest this and figure it out. Um, because I, I, I feel like there's that, because of what you just said before, where LND, I do think LND is used to just rising to the occasion and kind of like getting it done. We're, we're really good at helping people. We're very good at getting it done. Um, and uh, I, I think being able to have that confidence to say, or to just have that conversation and say, let's really talk about the need here. Let's really talk about your outcomes. Let's really think about like how I can help you and what I can and can't do um, or what I need in order to kind of get um, to get you to that place. Uh, and, and that's something that I'm, I'm kind of picking up on here and, and that I, I really love is, is it's just having that clarity. Um, and I think in that confidence to, to be able to have that conversation. So how do you keep, I'm going to just ask, because I feel like, you know, writing down your attention and having a goal, it's all great. Um, but how do you keep that, uh, level of composure? And, and how do you kind of keep that in your head when you're getting some of these requests, when you're getting something where you're, you just, you feel like you need more or it's not, you know, what they're asking for is, is really difficult to, to achieve. And uh, um, 
how can you kind of keep that in your mind uh, as you're having these conversations and not let the conversation kind of like run away with itself, if, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does. I, and you really, in asking that question, you really put your finger on something important about intention, which is that it's one thing when you... Uh, you know, you're, you're getting ready to walk up to the microphone or you're walking into the meeting and you're, you know, you're psyching yourself up and you've done your, your pre-work and you know what your deliberate intention is and all that. It's something quite different when um, things go south, when yeah. uh, you get a bunch of pushback on something that you didn't think you were going to or whatever. There's something funky. There's some weird dynamic going on in the room, whatever that thing is. That's, that is really when intention is your best friend, mm -hmm. because that's when you think first, the thing that happens, at least for me is I feel my default intention start to rise up, which for me is almost always defensiveness. That's not true mm -hmm. for everybody, but it's certainly true for me. Um, because it's, I, I, I want to be right. I want mm -hmm. my idea to get across. Um, you know, that's, that's just what comes up for me. I know what that feels like in my body. I know what it what I know what happens in, with my voice. I know what happens with my posture. Um, I I just know what that's like for me. So that is a that is the the canary in the coal mine for me to go. Ooh, okay. Is that going to get me where I need to go? Is going to that place going to reach this outcome? Or is it going to probably push us further apart, um, erode trust in the room, whatever the outcome is that I'm not looking for? Okay, so that's not going to get me where I want to go. What can I do instead? All right. And in situations like this, what is always helpful for me is what can I do to ally myself with this person? And this comes down to... Um, the, the just classic, you know, first rule of improvisation with it, which is yes. And how can I show up for you in a way that, yes, I hear what you're saying and let me see what I can do with that. Yes. I hear you're saying this, this training is important for you. And let me reflect back to you. Uh, what I think of as my own priorities. Mm -hmm. uh, I have seen people do this so brilliantly that it's like the Jedi mind trick. I mean, it is just, but it, but it is it is really about being willing to be there, being willing to be vulnerable and listening and just listening hard. I think that's so true. And, and at Rory, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like um, I can immediately think of examples where, you know, my immediate go-to is the same, same thing is to get maybe upset uh, or to, to internally just think like, you're just going to say that thing that you kind of like want to say, but you know, it's going to shut, literally will just shut everything down. Um, and then trying to come back to that, that place where it's like, well, how, how do we actually move forward here without damaging relationships and without, um, you know, putting a, a full stop on things? Um, I, I think that's such a key, um, key component of, of, like being able to work with with people and and being able to kind of get work done um especially if you're in a you, know, you talked earlier about teams and especially if you're in a, a new team or you're trying to talk to somebody who you know holds the keys to to wherever you're trying to to go uh and so you know i really like to i think kind of understand you know the more the more we talk here that the more um i can kind of like see the value of helping under, other people understand within an organization how to coach others and how to support them and how to 
have these great conversations and, and having like an ally on your side um, who can help you navigate these waters. And uh, we did a little bit of research uh, around coaching culture. And um, I do know that it's, it's linked to, to better uh, talent and business outcome. Uh, and I think you could like if, if we all had better conversations where we all were coming from a place of great intent on a daily basis, I feel like no brainer. Right. Mm -hmm. So how can how can organizations kind of work to build in, uh, you know, like a, a coaching culture? How can we help others uh, utilize these tactics of their organizations? And then, you know, this is what you do for a living. Like you're, you're coaching people for a living. How do you measure the outcomes of, of, of coaching efforts? <laughs> um, I don't. I uh, I don't measure them, which I know yep. is anathema in the L and D mm -hmm. space. I am. Uh, I I believe in metrics in theory, but I mm -hmm. um. I mean, I do. I definitely do feedback forms and evaluations and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. And we do we do a fair amount of three sixties and assessments and mm -hmm. things like that. So I I shouldn't be quite so glib. Um, I I would say the big thing for me is. Uh, in, in terms of, a, of, of building in a coaching culture is being really clear about what you want that to mean in your organization. Mm -hmm. I have worked with a lot of companies that have um, kind of peer, peer coaches or people who are maybe one or two levels uh, above who are, who are coaching. And what it seems like to me is that that can be pretty hit or miss, uh, mm -hmm. unless people are really trained and they are, they are not just who's available or who can volunteer, or who's going to have something good on their internal resume to, you know, that they coached this number of people, but there is a real, um, there's a real skill set there. I mean, there's a, it's, it's not just, it's not just, you know, I'll, I'll raise my hand and, and coach these folks. On the other hand, um, I think you can, I think you can create a culture of this idea of positive regard uh, without anybody going to coaching school, without anybody getting trained, but just through asking good questions, showing some vulnerability and asking people to show up um, at, as who they are to some extent. I, mm -hmm. I, I think that that can be a really powerful way of forging these connections and almost paying coaching forward. If you know, okay, I can, I can show up like this. And when somebody asks me these questions, I can answer honestly. And then I can then turn and do that with other people on my team. Um, that can be, I think just as powerful uh, in a lot of ways as, as formal coaching relationships. Yeah. This has been so, it's, it's been so refreshing talking to you today and just, getting down to i feel like this intention kind of level and try just i don't know trust intention uh i, I feel like compassion maybe for for those that you're talking to and, and trying to understand where they're coming from empathy mm -hmm. um and it's just been a great like mm -hmm. great reminder to think of the person <clears throat> think of the human that you're talking with and connecting with uh yeah versus just trying to get things done that's right that's yeah. right there's the task and there's the relationship Mm -hmm. And keeping in mind where those proportions are can be really important. And then I actually want to, I want to circle back really quickly to something that Rory said about how do we say no? Mm 
-hmm. because I I don't want this to sound like intention always has to be this Pollyanna, we're going to hold hands and we're going to, because it's not, it's sometimes it's, this is my line in the sand Mm -hmm. and I can prioritize this part of your outcome and I can give you that. And I have to be really clear that I can't, I don't see a way to give you everything you're asking for. And that's also a deliberate intention. And that intention might be to protect my team. It might be to protect our reputation. It might be to protect the trust of this relationship with this person that I'm talking to. Um, Is there anything, so what's something you want to recommend to our listeners? Uh, And you should plug your book here for sure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to plug my book and then I'm going to tell you something that I'm watching on Hulu. Um, (laughs) So uh, my book is Before You Say Anything, How to Have Better Conversations, Love Public Speaking, and Finally Know What to Do with Your Hands, whether you're Italian or not. Um, <laughs> it is out now in paperback and ebook, and the audiobook is coming out next month, which I'm super excited about. It even has a little blooper reel, the audiobook. Um, so I'm super excited. It, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it has been a long time coming, and so I'm glad that I finally got it out in the world. Uh, so that is one recommendation. Uh, another recommendation, this is not the Hulu, this is a book called Second Circle by Patsy Rodenberg, who is a very famous voice teacher who worked for the Royal Shakespeare Company for years and years and years. And her, uh, just her idea about how how we speak with people. And um, anyway, it's, it is, it's really interesting. She's a, a really interesting thinker. And finally, what I'm watching on Hulu is a show called Staged which is David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Yes. Um, both of whom are absolutely incredible. And um, anyway, I won't say any more, anything more about that, but it is delightful and it is the thing that's making me happy right now. It's very I, good. I don't there feel you like you guys, you guys can't do that to me. I feel like now I, like, I feel like I need to know, I guess I'll have to go look at Hulu tonight. I. That was too much of a cliffhanger for me. <laughs> like, what is good. it about? Like, I just didn't <laughs> You'll find out. I will. I will. Thank you. Angie, thank you so much. This is such a great conversation. We really appreciate your time. Okay. We're going to pause for a moment and reflect on how to apply these insights at our organizations. We'll be back momentarily with our thoughts. Right, we're back. Rory, what are your top takeaways? So this was a great interview. This is one of my favorites. Um, my biggest takeaway here is her idea and, and methodology around positive intent. I think for me, going into meetings and looking at requests and going in with just a disposition of being positive and knowing what we'll get out of it and being very clear about that was my biggest takeaway. What about yourself? I agree. I think some of the tips she gave around writing your intent down so that you have it with you. I think that's a really smart idea. I think that goes back to our thoughts around having a project request form, being able to kind of look at it and bring that to a meeting if it's about a project request or if you're trying to get approval to purchase an LMS or invest in some new piece of technology. 
make sure that you write down your intent, what's your goal, what are you trying to get out of it, so you can always come back to it if you get caught. I also liked her idea of default intent, which I think really is, is just a matter of kind of understanding what's your default go-to if somebody is going to confront you or challenge your ideas. Do you get angry? Do you get passive? Do you tend to just agree? And so recognizing when that's happening and then going back to your intent and saying, is me agreeing here or is, is me getting angry going to serve the purpose of this conversation? How do I turn this person into an ally that's challenging me? What do I need to do to learn more about their side of things so that we can get to a better outcome together? So that was really uh, a big takeaway for me and, and something that I thought was just really important. Well, that will wrap up this episode. Be on the lookout for our next episode wherever you get your podcasts. As always, you can learn more and contact us on our website at istrainingtheanswer.com. I'm Rory Sachs. And I'm John Parcell. Thanks for listening.